It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Friday, March 26th. My name is Paul Sickman from Knox Sports Marketing here in beautiful Tampa, Florida. And my co-host, as always, is Brandon Parks from the hills of Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, and the Vol Network. Hello, Brandon. Coach Sigmund, good afternoon from a rainy Rocky Top. I'm sorry to hear that. It's uh, just the same old, same old 70 degrees here in uh, Central Florida. And speaking of Central Florida, uh, we are blessed today by having an unbelievable guest, a 30 to 40 year veteran of sports, uh, all the wars, uh, worked for the Atlanta Hawks for decades and for the last 10 years has been shepherding the ship that is the University of Florida IMG Learfield office. Welcome, Lee Douglas, to the team today. Paul, uh, Brandon, great to be here. I think that's just a nice way of saying that I'm old. I'll accept that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, always a pleasure to be with you guys. Well, thank you, Lee. Uh, today, the topic is negotiation, which is why we brought Lee on. We wanted to tell some stories today from uh, our far too long uh, being in this business and, and maybe give some failures and some successes along the way. And, and I'll start it off, and then we'll let... Uh, Lee and Brandon, Lee and Brandon go, to, go down their roads. I, the first failure I had was really, uh, I guess it's a failure of youth. I, a long time ago in my Buccaneer days, I was two or three years in, and our biggest sponsor at the time, which will immediately tell you how old I am, uh, was Philip Morris, the cigarette company. And Philip Morris was the biggest sponsor of the Bucks. In fact, we had a day every year where we sampled cigarettes at the gate. Everyone that came in got cigarettes. I told you how long ago it was. Holy smokes. Uh, and so that deal was up. And I was young and thought I knew everything. Uh, and we had a, what, I, what was at the time, I felt like new signage at the old Sombrero at Tampa Stadium. We had some portals, exit portals that were cement that I thought, my goodness, what a great place to put backlit signs because I had not seen this done around the NFL, but I thought this is a great new idea. So I went with it and I said, I'm going to fly up to New York and when we pitch our new deal, I'm going to sell them this brand new opportunity that there's no way they ever could have uh, uh, heard of before. So I flew to New York and walked into, you know, the 20th floor of this amazing building and, and sat down and I said, I started giving the pitch and I'm all full of myself. And these guys, they, they said, oh, you're talking about these two pieces of cement here. And they pulled out a chart. And on that chart, it showed every piece of cement that was unsold or possibly could be signage in my entire stadium. And then they pulled out a second chart, which showed at the time how many seconds per game that that piece of signage was visible and readable on CBS. And then they took a third chart that said, this is what that sign is worth to us based on all of this information. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll pay that. That's what it, that sounds like a good number, guys. Why don't we just go there with what you guys will pay me for this upgrade? It was unbelievable how sophisticated they were and how unprepared I was. That's a loss in negotiation. There's a lot, not a lot you can say when someone whips you like that. But anyway, there's my first story, my 23-and-a-half-year-old story of going to New York and getting whipped. So I will turn it over to uh, Mr. Douglas, and maybe he has a better, a better ending than I did. No, you know, hey, all failures, um, you know, uh, end up in the not desired result. Um, you know, there's a uh, unnamed beer company out of St. Louis that um, 
was notorious <laughs> at the time. None of the, none of the the the, the people uh, associated with it are still there. Um, but but like you, Paul, you know, young, green behind the the ears, um, in, in, involved in a negotiation with them. And even though, you know, people had said, hey, this is the way they do business, you always want to think on the standpoint here that, that you're different and it's going to end, end up different. But this, but the story actually played out exactly the, the way that I had been told ahead of time. And that is that, uh, you know, they are going to um, give you nothing but accolades and positive feedback. Uh, in terms of what you're presenting and how it sounds and how they're going to execute. And they're going to talk about everything except the price. And, um, and, and that is going to continue until from the, from the calendar time, you're at the point of no return. And they know that they've gotten you to the point of no return. And whereas you have been talking about X and you feel based upon all of the conversations on the positive aspect that this is going to have a good and happy ending, um, at, the, uh, at, at the end, they kind of go, you know, some things have changed on our end budget-wise and stuff, and I know that you're looking for X, um, but we're really only going to have to give you somewhere between, you know, one-third and one-half of X. And, you know, you're, you've, you've painted yourself into a corner and uh, you know what? You just have to you, you just have to accept it and move it on and chalk it up to to uh, uh, experience. But uh, you know you learn by going through those types of things. You know it's funny you talked about Anheuser Busch and I know you didn't say the word, but when I when I same thing, young guy, I went up there uh, and I had the full the full effect where they put the name on the board on the outside of the brewery in St. Louis. They let you go right down the line and they let you drink a beer that's like. 34 degrees and you're in love and there's beautiful women everywhere serving you beer all day long and they took me to a blues game that night and so about you know way too many beers in they're like let's talk about the deal and you're like whoa okay and these guys are professionals right they're professional alcoholics they can they can drink nine cases and stare at you and, um, and, and so you know you, you think you're there but you're 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 in the wrong company to be uh, negotiating it 11 o'clock at night between the second and third period of the Blues game, thinking this is where we're going to go with this. They are professionals, Lee. You get it. They, they, they are, there's no one that knows more and does a better job than AB. They're really, really good at what they do, and, and uh, it's hard to win with those guys. Brandon, you're up, Bubba. Yeah, and I was going to say, well, first, circling back, Paul, on your story, was the number Philip Morris had for you – Lower or higher than the number you were prepared to pitch? Uh, I, I went in with, I'm going to say they were a third of my number. Um, and, and now understand I was aggressive because I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. But, and, and, and when they brought out all, they, that chart, what was crazy is I'm telling you, every piece of cement in my stadium was charted. And, and I mean, not, not like the signage. I'm talking about every piece of cement. And how and so they took them all out and said, okay, if this ever becomes available, this is going to be a six by ten backlit. If this ever becomes available, it's going to be a four by twenty-four. If this ever becomes available, it's going to be this. And then they knew that's on CBS for eleven seconds on average for the last four years, and we're going to pay you the following. Well, it's and, remarkable that they would think that far ahead some twenty-something years ago. Right, right. Because TV TV viewable signage back then was so elementary compared to what it is today. Right. And, and, they, and they just, that's all they had though, Brandon. They, they were, they were, they knew the end was near for them. I mean, they were being restricted. Yeah. They were, 
They, you know, sport by sport was starting to take them out. And so the TV visible stuff was, was all they had. And so they were the, they were the experts before we had all these modern gum gum and Scarborough and all the other people that throw values against the wall for TV stuff. Yeah, you're right, Brandon. They were way ahead of their time and they were certainly ahead of mine. <laughs> and then, uh, Lee, I can, uh, I can emphasize, empathize with your story, um, I think probably as a younger seller back in the day, you're, I was, I know I was this way. I was so eager to get something across the finish line to prove to myself that I could do it, to prove to the company that I could do it to my peers. And, and we often do anything and everything we possibly could do to try to get something across the finish line. And, and oftentimes you're right. Clients will run the clock out on us and, uh, our good friend, um, Tracy White, who I know Lee knows and Paul knows uh, with Learfield IMG, he has a saying that we hear 365 days a year, time kills deals. And and he is exactly right. Um, so I, and I have a, I have a story probably from my, my younger days for sure. Again, back to anything and everything I could do to, to get things across the finish line to, to show promise. Um, and to look like I halfway knew what I was doing. Um, we had an unnamed fitness company in our market who I had talked to for four months leading up to a football season. And I had set a goal early on in my career that if I had been able to secure a sponsor who had bought signage inside of the venue, that was, that was a goal of mine when I was early on in my career that I had sold a premium piece of inventory. And so I had met with this fitness company and we had conversations that had gone on uh, for, for four months. And the closer we got to football season, the harder they began to negotiate with me. And at back then, uh, the permanent backlit fascia signage was the only signage we had at Neyland stadium. And we sold it for $32,500 for a season long investment. Attaboy. Uh, you you typically received two season tickets and a parking pass. Woo! Well, the, the, and that's that old school transactional style of, of marketing and selling back then, which we do so much more now that's conceptual driven. Um, but the longer the negotiation went on, they were asking for more and more and more beyond what we normally would present within a, a signage package. And there's always a couple things that Steve Early, who's our general manager here, that is, he's always, he's always ha has me thinking about one, are we keeping all sponsors relatively in the same ball field? Meaning we're not giving unfair advantages or going too overboard for one sponsor where we can't look them all in the eye and say, you have a fair agreement. Sure. And then secondly, there is a point in every negotiation where it is no longer a good deal for both parties. Right. And at that point you need to be able to walk away. Mm -hmm. So they continue to beat me up and we literally get down to 10 days to kick off without having a signed agreement. We went ahead and uploaded or produced and had the sign installed at the stadium. I delivered the season tickets to their office and then game week, their CEO called the marketing director on campus, who was Chris Fuller at the time and continued to try to negotiate and ask for additional assets. Uh, essentially going around me. Well, Chris had a very difficult time uh, in those discussions with the CEO. And so I get a call back from Chris and essentially he says, no way over my dead body are we going to do this deal. 
So the sign needs to come down and then you need to go to their office and you need to pick up our football season tickets. So two days before kickoff to the season opener, <laughs> my sign comes down and then I have to go to the office to see a fitness CEO who believes in his product, who, who was a teenage mutant Ninja turtle size guy and pull back my season tickets. Wow. I think it went, it went belly up. It never happened. Never happened. Well, I think the relevant question then is what about you and Steve's wife? I mean, were they in good shape by the time you got the, we got the deal pulled or were they, you know, I have to imagine that they were at the fitness place every single week for about two months while you were negotiating, right? Every single day. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> the the other uh, I'll, I'll continue and moving on with another story which I think came out a little better it was actually um, uh, we were doing a deal on behalf of uh, one of our clients a Texas Farm Bureau Insurance we were working with uh, Matt Priest University of Texas and and we're trying to do a brand new deal with them and, and this is the challenge is that Texas at the time had an exclusivity with State Farm and State Farm was paying seven figures to be the exclusive insurance provider of the University of Texas. They had logo rights, they had all these things and, and we uh, here at Knox Sports who are revenue friendly were trying to find a way to do a deal with Texas with this exclusivity and so we sat down with Matt and we, you know, and we finally went up into a box uh, at, at BRK and sat there in, in the Texas afternoon and crafted a legitimate way for our company to work with the University of Texas without logo rights. We created an out-of-stadium, out-of-television experience that we would promote called Date with a Great where we would basically have an opportunity to have, uh, to have people register to win a chance to do something with a Texas great, but we didn't use Texas and we didn't use the marks, but this concept of date with a great where we had Earl Campbell and we had Vince Young and we had, uh, goodness, uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, and, and so these guys year after year uh, were an opportunity for people to register to spend an entire day with them and have an experience but didn't use marks, didn't use logos, and ambushed the hell out of the situation. Well, what was great was that that was our entry. Uh, without that creativity from uh, Mr. Priest and, and our team, we, we would not have had a relationship. Well, three years later, when it was time to renew, State Farm decided that they no longer wanted to spend the money to be exclusive. Uh, Texas Farm Bureau was able to then come in and be a bigger partner using Mark's logos and using all the assets that the University of Texas has. And that relationship has continued to grow and is now probably, I think, in year 11 or 12. Uh, and so, you know, it's always the story, right? Creativity is always the story. There's always a way. Uh, no one broke any rules there. Uh, at the end of the day, we got uh, we have a decade-long relationship that continues to bloom and, and get better and better. So, I will uh, I will forego to Mr. Douglas. Maybe he's got another one. Well, you know, this is probably on a on a on a uh, positive one. I'll, I'll sit there and say that, you know, um, when I was with the Hawks, I had the opportunity to one be on the, uh, the, the executive team that negotiated the deal with city of Atlanta and Fulton County for what was Phillips Arena, what's now State Farm Arena. But um, uh, coming off of that, you know, obviously we were uh, looking to secure a naming rights partner and we secured uh, Phillips Electronics, um, which, you know, coincidentally was relocating it's North American Consumer Electronics Headquarters from Knoxville to Atlanta. Mm. And that was really kind of the impetus for their interest. Um, but like a deal like this, there were a lot of people that were involved um, 
from Steve Heyer, who was running Turner Broadcasting, Stan Kasten, who was general manager of the uh, of the Hawks and uh, chairman of Phillips, uh, what would be Phillips uh, Arena. Mark Lazarus, who now runs uh, NBC, was head of, of uh, uh, Turner Sports Sales. Um, Tracy White, who uh, you know was working for me at the time. Uh, we were all involved in the negotiation. Um, but one, it was just a, it, it was fascinating to be a part of it because this was very integrated back into the company. Um, you know, in addition to the name on the on, on the building and the suites and all the other things that go along with with the Hawks and the Thrashers, the NHL team at the time and the arena uh, was integrated back into Turner Broadcasting as far as broadcasting equipment, lighting, um, you know, Phillips lighting within all of the uh, uh, the studios and the office buildings and the arena and so forth. Hey Lee, how but much to, money? How much money went back to Phillips there? Do you have any, any recollection of how much money they got to that you guys spent with them as part of that deal? Do you remember that? You know, there was there was not a there was not a dollar spend back, uh, but it was broken out by category. I mean, they had as I say, they had lighting, they had broadcasting equipment, they had medical equipment, they had a number of things, and. Uh, so that it was in on a percentage basis that as the company spent um, a certain percentage of the spend in each one of those categories, uh, you know, was dedicated to go back to uh, uh, to Phillips. Got but, um, you know, one was obviously to be a part of a, of a success story. But the other is just to be a part of something that that were honestly the the, the contract. Um, really wasn't what was there. It was about building a true relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's, mm -hmm. what, what the essence of our business is. This is not about winning and losing. This is not about buying a car and feeling that who got the better end of the deal. Um, you know, our business is about building a relationship, not only for the present, but for the future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Brandon talked about on the standpoint here of not doing bad deals. And, you know, we've, we've all, we, we've all done bad deals, but you know, if you have, if you have that feeling that, you know, one side won or one side lost, if that's something that remains, then you know what, you don't have the basis to build a relationship. And, um, but as I say, just kind of being a part of the whole, the whole Phillips deal, there's a number of people that can sit there and, and rightfully say that they were a part of it and had, and, and had a play in it, but to have a seat at the table, that was really a, a very, very uh, positive experience for me. Lee, you nailed it there. It's, it's just so true because they, you know, in, in our world, you know, you guys are, are, are friends of mine. I've known you both for, for, for more than a decade now. And, and that is ultimately what it's all about is that you negotiate with people because you want to negotiate with. And ultimately, if it is a win-lose, it's not going to last. It just won't. It'll be a one-term deal. Yeah. And, and, and that is just a great point. Lee. That is 100% true. Is it so many people, and you have clients out there that you know they, they have that used car mentality where I gotta I've gotta win I've gotta win this negotiation and there, there, there's a certain point when you have to you have to just stop and say the relationship will win eventually and and, and that's a just a great way to put it I'm sorry Brandon go ahead I'm taking your time so, no we're we're good I was gonna ask Lee I'm pretty fascinated with this so the Phillips agreement would that have been late 90s 97 98. Yeah, the uh, um, let's see, the arena opened in '99. We uh, we okay. negotiated it kind of in that '97 '98 time period, um, and did and did the deal about a year before the building opened up. So they 
you know, kind of part of the whole thing was they almost had a, as much as you want to say, a year free. Um, yeah. You know, they, 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 as, as the building was being built in the progress, it was always referred to as Phillips Arena. And um, but, yeah, it was right there in that time period. Absolutely. Brandon. So and, and back then, because, I mean, what, 24, 25 years now, these naming rights agreements were starting to come about. Um, how difficult was it for you and your organization to try to develop exactly what the plan would look like, what the asset list would look like? How do you even go about pricing it? I'm assuming you had some help from, from some third party analytics and so forth. How, how did you guys build that agreement out? And, and, and I'm assuming it probably was a collaborative conversation with Phillips, given the product involvement that they had. Yeah, you know, this, uh, uh, Brandon, great point. Um, you know, we obviously being a part of Turner Broadcasting and they've got a, you know, had a uh, extensive network around as it relates not only to, to clients, but resources, much like us from Learfield IMG College. We've got a number of resources to uh, draw upon. Um, we uh, did enter into a relationship, a, a, a third party relationship to have somebody also to help us and assist us in that in that vein to um, how should we go about and position the arena uh, in the naming rights standpoint. And and the other was that there was a lot of, of best practices and a lot of shared practices going on. There were a number of arenas that were being built at that time and a number of naming rights deals that were that were going on at the time. You know, you had buildings in Miami and L.A. and and uh, Portland and and uh, uh, across the way that, um, you know, Chicago and stuff that where a lot of a lot of discussions were happening. What were you doing? How were you looking at it? Um, how were you doing the a analytics as it relates to hey, the name on the building and the fact that you've got an NBA and an NHL team? How much of this is going to be broadcast across and what's that value and what's the strategic placing for signage and, and the like. So it was, uh, you know, somewhat on the infancy of, of that explosion that was taking place in the naming rights uh, business. And then the other was to really sit down with um, the, the partner, in this case, Phillips, understand what were their goals, what were their objectives, and also um how could we help them in terms of their various business and product lines uh, to not only drive awareness, but to drive actual uh, product sales and stuff. And so, and for instance, you know, to, to take a look at it, part of uh, uh, Turner Broadcasting at the time was the, uh, the airport network. And as that, as that group was going out, securing deals with various airports, across the country in order to get um, the airport channel taken out um, and with Delta in terms of their their Sky Clubs, Phillips was there along the way uh, with their uh, monitors and everything like, like that uh, to where initially, as those things were launched, they were also launched with uh, Phillips products along the way. Mm. Wow. Wow. Well, an, an interesting side note to that story, Lee, um, for a period of time, Phillips back then, Phillips Magnavox uh, had corporate offices that were located just east of Knoxville. And the director of marketing for Phillips, I believe North America at the time was a guy named Mike Keel, who was yep. a huge, tennis, huge Tennessee fan. And so they had a relationship with, with Tennessee and the Vols. 
there was a period of time that the power button on a Philips Magnavox remote was orange. And hmm. Mike did that to show his support for the big orange. Um, and then I remember he was part of that transition when Phillips moved out of Knoxville uh, and reloc- relocated those headquarters down to uh, Atlanta. Uh, but that, that is a, that's a fascinating story and really a deal that was probably ahead of its time. I, I'm, are you a little surprised, Brandon, that you can't find that power button in the last eight, 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> I've still got I've still got my 25 year old <laughs> remotes. I keep them near and dear to my heart. As uh, you should. It, uh, it was similar to um, I I'd, I'd received an email the other day from a friend who had a photo that I opened the photo and it was from the movie Castaway, and Tom Hanks is on the island and he's scribbling on the side of the rock. Been here since '98. Assume balls are still number one. <laughs> and that has not been the case. Uh, I, you know, I, and I've got a. Um, you mentioned um, Texas Farm Bureau Insurance. The Tennessee Farm Bureau Insurance is a pretty interesting st- story, success story for us. Uh, for the longest time, up through 2005, the Tennessee Farm Bureau and Farm Bureau Insurance had never felt the need or felt the competition. Uh, where they needed to to aggressively market and advertise their products. Um, and I, they're this tremendous brand in the state of Tennessee, uh, but they, they never publicly had to do a whole lot from a marketing or PR perspective. Uh, but I was a young seller here at the Vol Network, and I'd, I'd seen their brand. I, I was a customer uh, of, of auto insurance from those guys. And so I wrote the CEO a letter. And in my letter basically said, I understand at this time, you guys choose not to to participate in marketing and advertising. Uh, Here is a mini helmet from Tennessee. Put it on your desk. And if you guys ever decide to dip your toe, the Vols would love to talk to you. Two years go by and they called me. Wow. Had Had us down to Columbia. Walk in the office. There's my mini helmet sitting on his desk. Mm mm and, you know, in the movies, they say the rest is history. And that, that sort of was it. Um, it was fascinating. You guys can probably appreciate this. We went in that day and we had a similar discussion about State Farm and the assets that State Farm had at Tennessee, the exclusivities that State Farm had. And at the time, a lot of those exclusivities were centered around our electronic media with broadcast rights, radio and television. So we went in and were pitching Farm Bureau Insurance on all of our in-venue signage assets from our video board to our 360 LED ring. And on the spot, the CEO committed to each and every one of the assets we presented. Wow. And that never happens. No. Usually that discussion takes two, three, four weeks, maybe a month at a time. Once you certainly get down to the nitty gritty of building assets out and negotiating price and those things. And, and they have been a tremendous partner of the University of Tennessee ever since. And desperately in need of someone to negotiate for them, apparently. Well, <laughs> one could say that. Or one could say that the um, individual that was presenting the Vols knew what he was doing. Holy cow, I guess so, Brandon. Congratulations on that commission and the fact that you finally <laughs> arrived that year in uh, Neyland Stadium with your backlit signage. <laughs> uh, and I will, I will say backlit signage. I had one sponsor who I'd sold on signage inside Neyland on those fascia signs. And it was a pretty tough uh, negotiation and discussion. And so I get everything done 
We go in, we kick off the season. We're playing a night game at Neyland. There are 20 fascia signs, all lit up, ready to go, except for one. And it was the new sponsor I had sold. And so they were the only one in the uh, venue that night that was not lit up and glowing for our fans to see, which I which I received a text message about it in the middle of the second quarter. They were asking if I could have someone climb a ladder uh, and change out the ballast that had busted uh, inside the sign during the game. Wow. Uh, which we were not able to do. But I did spin it and say, hey, everyone else is lit up. You're not. Therefore, <laughs> you stand out. Yeah, well done. Uh, but that did not that did not go very well. <laughs> well, guys, thank you for uh, thank you, Lee Douglas, for coming on the air and, and uh, giving us a couple of great stories. Uh, I, to be a part of the naming rights is awesome. I've had a chance to do that a couple of times, and every single one of those is a story in itself. Maybe that's a future uh, podcast, Brandon. We can talk about. Uh, oh, naming I, I rights think deals. we we could have the greatness of Lee Douglas on many more podcasts to come. <laughs> and so uh, thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate uh, telling a couple stories about negotiations, wins, wins and losses. We certainly all had our fair share, but I think the end result is exactly what Lee said earlier, that if it's a, uh, that if it's a relationship that, that, that really does work in part for either party, it has a chance to go forward and get beyond that, that only term that you negotiate. So thank you for that. That was a, the perfect way to, to, to segue and finish that discussion. So, guys, thank you for uh, for Brandon Parks, Lee Douglas, and I'm Paul Sickley with Knox Sports. Thank you for listening to another edition of Knox Talk. See you next time.